I'm Boyd Hopkins and I'll be joining you today on Equip TV to talk about dealing with temptation. Thank you for joining us on another episode of Equip. You might have watched him last time he was on our show, but we have him back again, Reverend Boyd Hopkins. He is the founder of Spoken Word Ministries, and he's also an amazing Bible teacher, author, speaker, um, and he's been on missionary trips in different parts of the world as well. So we just welcome you back mm -hmm. today. Boyd. Thank you. And it's thank you again for joining us on Equip. Yeah, yeah, yeah. really good. So, um, so on this episode, <coughs> you want to talk about a different subject and something that a lot of people deal with, uh, dealing with temptation. Yeah, yeah, this, this whole area of dealing with temptation, I mean, oh my goodness, temptation is everywhere. Mm -hmm. And uh, I got into this actual, this teaching actually with regard to pornography. Um, you know, in the past, my own struggle with pornography, uh, but then more so as God led me forward in the ministry I do now, uh, I'm just having people come forward. I, I teach on mm -hmm. forgiveness. And of course, anyone involved with pornography probably needs a lot of forgiven. Yeah, you know? yeah. Because they're, you know, guys get into pornography. Increasingly, women are into pornography too. But the betrayal in that particular area of stumbling mm -hmm. is so huge that it tears families apart. Right. So I would have people come to my forgiveness seminar and then they would bring up this issue of pornography. Mm. Yeah. Okay, and uh, you know, I'd have a wife who'd say, okay, I can forgive him, but he keeps doing it. He keeps so then the guy comes to me and he says, I keep doing it. Yeah. I'm not real good at handling the temptation when it comes to me. So anyway, that's sort of what led me into this whole area was how do you deal with temptation, you know? Um, mm -hmm. <clears throat> and I, as I began to read my Bible, I just started looking at my Bible mm -hmm. under, you know, the word temptation. How many times does it come up? Right. Where is it? All that kind of stuff. Yeah. So you were a pastor and you had, a, you had to oh, learn yeah. how to deal with this temptation yeah. in your own life. Yep, yeah. yep. Yeah. I remember as a, as a young pastor, you know, struggling with lust issues and porn issues in my, and, I, and I'm pastoring a church mm -hmm. and, and I'm terrified that I'm going to be the next guy that falls, you know, yeah. publicly and all that kind of stuff. Like you'd be amazed at how many people in ministry struggle with these issues. Just because we're in ministry doesn't mean that we're, we're somehow victorious. Right. So a lot of guys, a lot of women too, they struggle with these issues and they, they have nobody to talk to because mm -hmm. the moment that they come forward with it, they get uh, condemned, mm -hmm. uh, maybe forgiven, but then yeah. fired too, yeah. right? Yeah, and there's fear and shame associated yep. with that too. So. Totally, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so one of the things that I had to learn uh, was you know just simple honesty. Mm -hmm. Like if you're struggling, you gotta have some safe people to talk to and you have to have people that you can be honest with. Right. You know, the devil is a little bit like a bully, and one of the strategies bullies do is they get you off alone in the playground and they beat you up. Mm -hmm. Yes, that's true. Yeah. Isolation. So, you know, if, if you want to defeat the devil, one of the things you need to do is get tight with somebody. You know, people that, that will not condemn you, they have to be safe. Uh, they're not going to pretend your sin isn't sin, but they're also not going to pretend it is, you know, um, that, that, that there's nothing wrong, right? 
Did I say that right? <laughs> anyway, but you get <laughs> what I'm idea. saying, right? Yeah. So I, I got involved in this whole area of dealing with temptation. Uh, like I said, firstly with per regard to pornography, but then I began to find that people would come to this seminar and the teachings that they got, they would take home and they would apply to other areas of temptation. Uh, what I'd like to do with you today is I would like to just simply start with a basic statement. Okay. And then I would like to walk through some biblical um, principles that deal very specifically with, with how to have victory over temptation. Okay. Uh, so the first thing that I found with a lot of people that as they deal with temptation, um, many of us, we do it in our own strength. Mm -hmm. You know, we've been sort of taught to give God our best. Yeah. The thing we're being tempted with isn't very good, so yeah. we have to overcome it. We fight the temptation, we fight the temptation and usually fall and then we don't feel like we have anything good to give God and you end up with people that finally give up. Give up they yeah. live under condemnation all the time. Their sense of value goes down. They mm -hmm. end up depressed. Who am I? I still believe in God, but I got nothing to give them and they right. walk away. Right? Yeah. So it's an issue of learning to let God's strength be ours. We are not called to fight temptation in our own strength. That's no. why the Holy Spirit was poured out, so that when He pours into our lives and pours through us, we will be given the power to be His witnesses. That's Acts 1.8, for crying yeah, out loud, yeah, right? Yeah. Strength that is not our own. Yes. So how do we do yeah. that? I'd like to take you to a passage out of James chapter 1, uh, verse 13 to 15. And I was reading this whole area. Uh, it talks about temptation, where temptation comes from. And then it... As I, as I read this, I saw this little insight. I felt like the Holy Spirit was saying, I've got a little equation here for you. So, Scripture says this, When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. In other words, God is not the source of temptation. God is not setting up His children for a fall. Yes. And how yes. many times have you heard people say that? Why is God doing this to me? Why is God setting me up like this? I think going back to Genesis... There are a lot of places in your Bible where God gets blamed for the devil's activity. Oh yeah, God, why? How could you yeah. let this happen to me? And yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I rarely hear anyone going, "Why is the devil doing this to me?" Everybody knows why the devil's doing this. Yeah. To you, but we don't blame the we devil. Blame we the blame devil. God, right? Yeah. So God, it says bluntly here. James says, "God is not tempting you. God cannot be tempted by evil, and nor does He tempt anyone." Then He goes on. He uses this word, "but." And I like that word, but. So pay attention to this. Each person is tempted when they're dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed by it. Mm. Evil desires other were, uh, otherwise translated as lust. lust yeah. So when you think about this, you want to think in your heart, inside of you, this is this place of evil desire. There's mm -hmm. a place of selfishness. Yeah, it's already in there. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what Romans uh, 5 says. It says, when sin came into the world, sin went viral. Mm -hmm. started with Adam and Eve, went through the whole human race, and, and it broke something in us. Yeah. And so we are all born struggling with sin. Uh, Paul says, uh, goes on to say in that chapter, he says, even those people that didn't co commit a deliberate sin mm -hmm. still struggle with the effects of Adam's sin. There's an element, a place within us of selfishness yeah. where evil desire lives. Mm -hmm. Now, left to itself, you know, um, it's not the deciding factor. So there's another factor here, <clears throat> and it says that temptation is that other factor. So I want you to think about this. Yeah. Uh, temptation comes at me, and, and we have to understand that temptation comes from the devil. It doesn't come from within me. So temptation comes at me. It comes from outside of me. Mm -hmm. 
when we think about Ephesians 6, it talks about the fiery darts of the enemy. Right. These yes. temptations yeah. are one of those darts. And it comes at you from the outside. Mm -hmm. But it has to have a place to hook into. Right. And so within us is this place of evil desire. Within us is this struggle with lust that we have. Mm -hmm. You can lust over anything. Yeah. Uh, I taught this little seminar to a bunch of rednecks in a sort of a rednecks Bible school here a little yeah. while ago. Yeah. And a one guy says, I just realized you can lust over women, cars, guns, That's all, true. all this other yeah. stuff, right? Yeah. Well, television sets, yeah. sports, yeah. Yeah. clothes, whatever yeah. it is, right? So lust, we oftentimes think of as purely sexual. Well, mm -hmm. it's not. It's not, yeah. It's desiring an, a selfish desire for something that will fulfill us in a way that really we should be allowing God to fulfill yeah, us. Yeah, letting in, God come right? in. So we have this place within us, this place of vulnerability. The temptation comes at us. And those two things, so if you look at your little equation, temptation plus lust. It says when those two things uh, join, um, when desire, that evil desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin. Mm. So temptation plus lust yes. equals sin. Temptation is not a sin. Jesus was tempted. Mm -hmm. but he yeah. didn't sin. Yeah. So, you know, oftentimes people, I, I run into people and they go, like, I've got these pictures in my mind. You know, you'll get some guy who watched pornography mm -hmm. uh, way back when, but the pictures are still it's in his still mind, there, right? Yeah. Um, just because something's in your mind doesn't mean it's a sin. It's when you act on it that it becomes that sin. Jesus said, when you lust in the heart, it becomes sin, right? Mm -hmm. So we, we understand that there's a temptation and a lust dynamic. And, and honestly speaking, what I spent most of my life doing was fighting a temptation. Mm -hmm. yeah. I didn't do anything about the lust. The lust yeah. was just there. It's part of me and whatever. Yeah. I spent all my time fighting a temptation. What Christ wants to do with us is he wants our surrender. Mm -hmm. He good. wants our self. Yes. He wants our lust even. People mm -hmm. say, hold it. God doesn't want my lust. Yes, he does. Yeah. God wants your lust because you can't deal with it. Mm -hmm. yeah. You know, we used a little illustration of the baby and the dirty diapers. Yes. Yeah. Guess what? It all comes as a package. Yeah. yeah. You know, and if you're a mother, you take the baby, you take the messes, and you deal with the one to restore the other. Yeah. yeah. And that's where we want to do with God. Yeah. So this became one of my first understandings of how to deal with temptation. Instead of spending all my time fighting the temptation, I had to begin to allow Christ to become the Lord of my heart. Right. The Lord of my good stuff mm -hmm. and my bad stuff. Yeah, yeah. The Lord of my lust, my evil desires. Yeah. That means you've got to get really honest yeah. with God. So it's not just about behaving yourself, but it's a matter of surrender yeah. in your heart. And like what you were saying is, um, you know, a lot of people, what hinders their surrender is they, they're, they're saying, well, I know yeah. what I need, mm -hmm. right? So, so this, you know, this thing, if I can acquire it, whether it's lust of, of some form, this will make me happy, then yep. we're not really surrendering that. Yep. We're not really yep. saying, God, I trust you. You yep. know what I need. Yep. And even for those people who know that they need to be done with whatever it is mm -hmm. and they, they want freedom, but they can't yeah. get it, it's usually because they're fighting that thing in their own strength. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I had a young fellow come to me and he struggled with pornography. And I said, so are you still active? And he said, no, I'm not still active. I said, when was the last time you did pornography? He said, a year ago. I said, so how come you're not doing it? I said, is it still in yeah, your mind? Yeah. Always in my mind every day. Mm. I said, how come you're not doing it? He says, because my girlfriend and one of my best friends, they beat me up with a lot of guilt every time I do. 
So I said, that's not freedom. No, that's just that is manipulation. I call consequence. it consequence. Oh, yeah. I, yeah, I call it sin management. Sin management, yes. Right? Yeah. All you're doing is trying to manipulate the sin, tie it up so it doesn't get out get out mm -hmm. of hand, um, but it's still there. Yeah. So I said to him, you know what? There's a better way. We want to give Jesus lordship of that weakness mm -hmm. within you, right? Yeah. So. I, uh, that led me to a, another passage that became very powerful for me. I've read it my whole life. John 1, verse 5. And it just simply says this. It's speaking of Jesus. And it says, He is the light that shines in the darkness, and the darkness does not overcome him. Literally, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness does not overcome it. Mm -hmm. And if you look at that word overcome, in some of your translations, it will say, doesn't understand it. I want you to think in terms of computer language. The old Apple and the old IBM didn't really talk. Mm -hmm. I was yeah. using this illustration one, di one day and some computer geek in the back hollers, I can make them talk. Yeah, well, you know what? <laughs> Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> For the sake yeah. of my illustration, those old computer systems, those old operating systems didn't talk to each other. Um, uh, and that's really what this is saying. Light does not interface with darkness. It doesn't mm -hmm. share space. Yeah. So if you reach under the table and you grab a handful of darkness and you lift it out and you sh show me your darkness, the moment you expose it, the darkness is driven out by the light. Mm -hmm. And this is the understanding of Jesus. What we want to do in our first step of surrendering to Christ is we want to give him access to our darkness. Yes, very good. So yeah. where is the darkness within you? Mm -hmm. Sit down, make a list out of all your sins, all the challenges, all those lusting things in your life. Mm -hmm. These are the places of darkness in you. So as I was, um, God was teaching me about this, I got a little bit of a picture. And the picture was me walking down a hallway and Jesus was holding my hand. Mm -hmm. And I knew that in this hallway, I was in this house and the house was sort of my life. And we're down uh, this fairly clean hallway and Jesus points at this door over here and he says, I want to go in there. Well, me, I throw myself in front of the door. No, no, Lord, yeah. don't do it. Don't go in Just there. let me clean it up first. Yeah. And Jesus looks at me and he goes, you can't clean anything up. All you mm -hmm. do is move the junk around. Wow. I want yeah. you to walk into that darkness. You call my name and I will come there. Mm. And that taught me something about where light is the brightest. Where is light the brightest? It's in the middle of the darkness. Yeah, yeah. You know, I live in Sastoon, Saskatchewan, right south of here. There is a potash mine, 3,500 feet straight down. I went on a tour. They have a shut all their lights out. And it is as black as black can be. Pitch and black, yeah. Your eyes don't get used to it. Hmm. And then you turn on one little light and the whole place Explodes, just yeah. comes alive. Eh? Jesus wants to come into the darkness. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, too many of us, we spend our time trying to move the junk around. Yeah. Trying to cope with the darkness trying to drive the darkness out before we bring the light in. Yeah, yeah. When only, the only thing that can do that is the light itself. Mm -hmm. So, okay, so we invite Jesus in. So this is what I begin to say. You have temptation. You have that place of lust in your heart. Let's begin to invite Jesus into that. Now, that's a risky thing because that means you actually have to trust that Jesus isn't going to condemn you, that he loves you enough, that he's not going to be shocked by what he finds there. Yeah. And he won't. He, well, he already knows. Yeah. Right, he's already aware of it. Yeah. 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 So, that led me to another passage. And this is one of those passages that never worked for me. And so I did what most of us do when a passage doesn't work. I just didn't read it, right? Yes, avoid it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, this is 1 Corinthians 10, 13. No temptation has 
overtaken you except what is common to mankind. That's a huge statement. Because what it means is, is that we are not alone. Mm -hmm. Remember this idea of the devil uh, being a bully who isolates you. That's what the devil does. Yeah. And I, re I remember I pastored a church one time uh, a number of years ago. And when I walked in, oh, they all looked good. They all smelled good. They all said all the right stuff. And there was no intimacy in this place. And the mm -hmm. reason there was no intimacy was because everybody was putting on their best facade. Yeah. And I'm going, you know what? You guys called the wrong pastor because I'm going to tell you about my sins from the pulpit. We started a process. And what the process was, was to give people permission to be real. Guess what? The sins yeah. that we struggle with are common to all of us. Mm -hmm. We are not alone. Yeah. And we have to create spaces where people can be safe enough to share with one another. So, it's all common to mankind. The lust that you have struggled with, it's common to all people. And then it says God is faithful, and that means God is dependable. Yes. Right? Yeah. Um, and he will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. And right there it all fell apart for me because guess what? In my head, I'm going, God, you let me be yeah. tempted that way all the time. This doesn't match my life right now. Yeah. Yeah. And so I'm going... I'm being real honest with mm -hmm. God right now. Your word is false. It doesn't work. And the sense of what I felt the Holy Spirit saying to me is just keep reading, right? <laughs> yeah. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so you can endure it. And suddenly I get this picture in my head. And the picture was a picture about how I handle temptation. And this is how it goes. It's sort of like a line, a timeline. So here's the moment of temptation. Here's the moment of where I fall to the temptation. And here's the moment where I ask for forgiveness, right? Mm -hmm. And the temptation starts, comes to me. And then what do I do for a time? I fight the temptation because that's what you're supposed to do yeah. as a good believer, yeah. right? Resist. Then I fall, I give in to the temptation. And then after that, I guilt myself. I use a lot of guilt on myself because, you know, I want to make myself really sorry so that I won't do it again. Yeah. And then I finally accept forgiveness. And then what do I do? I go back and I do it all over Start again. over. Yeah. yeah. Problem with that is what? Well, I felt like God was asking me. You know what the problem with that scenario is? Is you only ask me in at the very end to sweep up after you. Mm. Now, don't get me wrong. When we stumble, God is very interested in sweeping up after us. Yeah. He loves to restore. But he says, you've got to start mm. inviting me in sooner. That's good. This is what it says. When you were tempted, well, I'm inviting him in only to sweep up. Yeah, after you already gave in to the temptation or after yeah. you struggled with it for a while. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I need to invite him in the moment that the temptation first comes. So I stop right here in the name of Jesus. Lord God, this temptation is coming on me. I'm looking at this woman. I'm, mm -hmm. I'm, looking, I'm thinking impure thoughts. I'm inviting you into this right now. Yeah. Yeah. And you're not just inviting him into the temptation, but into where the act of lust in your heart, into that evil desire places. Yes. Lord, I stop right here. You know what? I learned this. I learned that many of us don't want to do that. What we'd mm -hmm. like to do is enjoy the thrill of our sin yeah. and then ask for forgiveness afterwards because yeah. then we can enjoy the thrill and get forgiven. Yeah, yeah. It really takes some discipline to invite God into the beginning because what if he takes it away? Mm -hmm. Then I don't get my thrill. Yeah. Yeah, but that's or the where thought the, of it, or the or the flattery of it, or yep. whatever it is. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. But that's where the freedom is, right? Mm -hmm. That's where the freedom is. So that's what I've begun uh, to teach. I sit with people and I say, I want you to begin to invite Jesus into the memory. Romans six, it says, "Do not go on presenting the members of your body as sin, to sin as instruments of unrighteousness, but present yourself to God." Uh, as those alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. So when you think about how to surrender, dear Jesus, 
I give you my mind right now because yeah. right now my mind is full of evil pictures. Mm -hmm. Dear Jesus, I give you the lust in my heart right now. Dear Jesus, what I do with my hands, I give you my hands right now. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we present these things to Jesus and we need to do that actively. Yeah. We need yeah. to invite him into the moment of temptation. We mm -hmm. need to invite him into the deepest lust. He is not shocked. He's not turned off. Right. When you invite him into that place of darkness, you allow his lordship his strength yeah. to be yours. Yeah, yeah, it's true. And I've heard that before too. Um, you know, one, one person said, when we, when we tell God's people to be holy yep. without telling them to receive his power, or some people even say the fire of God in their life to, mm -hmm. to burn away those things, yep. um, then it just leads to frustration. Yep. You know, and I think that's what you were talking about yep. earlier was that it was this frustrating pattern that, yep. that people, you know, yourself included, would go over and over and over again where Jesus finally said, okay, bring me in right away. Yep. I'll provide the way yep. out. We so. got on, the thing we got to understand about holiness is holiness is not first and foremost what you do, it's who you know. Yes. Yeah. You know, the what the church oftentimes does is it treats holiness like a performance thing. Mm -hmm. if, I, if I act right, I'm holy. If I behave or put, yeah. on, a, put on a good face. Yeah. Well, Jesus chewed the Pharisees out a fair amount yeah. for that kind of approach. Eh? Yeah. When Jesus says be perfect, it means be yielded, be surrendered. Let the one who is perfect live through you. Mm -hmm. yeah. And that comes out in your actions. Yes. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, he will literally change the quality of your actions. Right. Well, because he's holy. Yeah. That's who he and is. He, he's the Holy Spirit. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. And he yeah. begins to live through you. And that's the goal, right? Yeah. And yeah. so then with the, this God of holiness living through us, this God of grace, mercy, power living through us, we can look at one another without lusting. We mm -hmm. can look at one yeah. another, recognize beauty without turning it into something perverted. Yeah. We can, you get what yeah. I'm saying, right? Yeah. <clears throat> that led me to one more passage I'd like to share with you. And it comes out of uh, 1 Corinthians 7.23. And it's just really simple. And it, it is, uh, does deal with sexuality and it's in a marriage passage and all that kind of stuff. But it really has application across the board. And it just, uh, verse 23, you're bought at a price. You were bought at a price. Mm -hmm. Body, soul, and spirit. Yeah. Who bought you? Jesus bought you. Yes. He paid the, the price of his life on that cross for you. You are now his. Now, this is a little weird for us in the first world because, mm. you know, in the first world, it's all about me and it's about what I own. Mm -hmm. And I am nobody's property. Yeah. If we go to the third world, to Africa, mm -hmm. to Asia, where there are uh, levels in the society, you know, there, uh, you will run into many people who understand what it is to be owned. And they don't have a problem so much with this concept. We have to lay down some of our first world thinking. We were bought with a price. If you've given yeah. your life to Jesus, you are owned by him, you are his property. Mm -hmm. Now, <clears throat> anyway, I bought some property. I used to live out in British Columbia. It was a half acre lot. And it was actually a pile of junk when I got it. Um, the lawn was unmowed. I had a shed in the back uh, with full, that was full of junk. Old lawn mowers that were broken down. Old roofing tar, all this, cr all this scrap stuff, mm -hmm. right? A little while later, I found out that I actually had two sheds. One was buried under ivy. I was all excited. I thought I found treasure. I go ripping it open. I get in there, I find more junk. <laughs> By now, I'm, I'm going like, you know, the last owner left a lot of junk behind. And, yeah. and I wish he'd just come back and... Take, take it with it. me. Yeah. And yet I realized that that ain't going to happen. Why? Because when I bought that property, I bought the junk with it. Mm -hmm. oh, and suddenly this verse began to lighten up for me. And one of the things I learned about myself, about us, as property of God, we're, we come in slightly used. 
and there's three things you got to know about used property. One is that all property comes with junk. Mm -hmm. So when we come to God, we all come with the baggage of our sins yep. and our failures. Second thing you got to know is that the, the owner, when he buys a property, he buys the garbage with it. That means God bought you and he bought all your, all your stuff with you. Mm. He bought me, he bought all my lust, he bought all my evil desires, he bought all my sins, all my failures, everything. Yeah. And somebody said to me, oh, that stuff didn't come from God. That's not what I said. Yeah. It didn't come from God, but he purchased it with you. It belongs to him. Mm -hmm. That means the pornographic thoughts in your mind yeah. now belong to God. Mm -hmm. Oh my. Yeah. The third thing you got to know is that property doesn't clean itself up. The owner does that. The owner does that, yeah. And so that's what we begin to do when we present our members to God for righteousness. When we invite him into the temptations and the lust in the moment of their mm -hmm. happening, when we let his light shine in our darkness, we are letting him do what owners do. Mm -hmm. He's our owner. Yeah. He's our owner. Yeah. We don't and have to clean ourselves out. Exactly. Yeah. And I think it's important too that um, to know that sanctification is a process. So when we when we receive Jesus as our Lord, we might get set free of certain things. Yeah. But there may be other areas in our life that we need mm -hmm. to um, you know engage ourselves in the process of sanctification, yeah. and that only comes through surrender. That yeah. only comes with inviting Him into those temptations and and um, you know continually yeah. surrendering our lives to Him. And I think that's so key because, you know, theologians talk about justification. Mm -hmm. In the moment, moment of saying yes to Christ, you become a yeah. new creation, you're declared innocent, you stand before God, all that yes. stuff, right? Yeah. Oftentimes we don't talk about sanctification, which is the other side of that coin. And the way I liken it is, it's like the day I got married. The day I got married, I got all of my bride there was to get. She got all of me. Mm -hmm. Question is, did she really know what she was getting, right? <laughs> we never do. No. And so day by day <laughs> yeah. for the last 26 years, she's un unpacked what she got on that day. Yeah. And that's exactly what it is like with Christ. He gets all of us when we say yes to him. But now the renovation process starts, starts right? Yes. It's like when I bought my property. If I was going to clean that property up, there would be only one way to do it. That would be to torch the whole thing and burn it down in the first afternoon. I didn't want to mm -hmm. do that. Yeah. I wanted to renovate it, restore the house, restore the property mm. itself. That was a process that took some years. Yes, yeah. And, and it's the same way with us. God gets a hold of us and he says, if I did, did dealt with everything in your life right now, I would destroy you. Mm -hmm. So he yeah. says, what I'm going to do, we're going to do it step by step. And every one of those steps is going to be an exercise in you trusting me. And you're going to learn that you can trust me. The thing I learned with my wife over 26 years of marriage, the first 20 years, I lied to her a fair amount. And the reason I lied to her a fair amount, well, I, I just, I presented. <laughs> Is your wife watching? Like, does probably. she know this? Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I presented false fronts to her, right? Yeah. Why do we do this? Because yeah. you know what? If she really sees me for who I am, she won't love me. She might not accept me, yeah. yeah. But you know what she's done? Every time I messed up, and trust me, there's been a lot, she has forgiven me, she's forgiven me, and she's forgiven me, mm -hmm. and she's loved me and loved me and loved me. And over the years, I have become convinced that she will continue to do that. Yeah. That has built in me a freedom to be real with her that I never had before. Mm -hmm. And yeah. this is the process God has us in. He says, step by step, you will trust me. Step by step, you will learn that I will not condemn you. Step by step, you will learn that I love you beyond whatever failure you could do. Mm -hmm. And you will learn to trust me. Yes. Amen. And that's, that's the process. But anyway, yeah. so final little story here. A buddy of mine, he listened to this. He went home and he said, God, okay, my nicotine belongs to you. My 40-year smoking habit belongs to you. In the middle of the night, God woke him up and said, you're not a smoker anymore. 
And that was the end of his cigarettes. Wow, yeah. He, he was set free. Yeah. Anyway, the power God does of God. these kinds of things. It's, yeah, yeah. yeah. God is all-powerful, and he can help you overcome anything that you're tempted with, whether it's an addiction mm. or um, an area of lust in your life, whether it's sexual or another area, that you're putting something in, and, and it's fulfilling you instead of allowing God to fulfill you. So um, if, thank you for watching today, and we, we really hope that some truth struck into your heart. Um, if you want more information on Boyd Hopkins and his ministry, or if you want to invite him for a seminar to your church, you can um, go to their website, uh, swma.ca, or else you can write equipministries.ca, and we'll be happy to provide you with all the information. So thanks again for watching.